1: Darren Pritchett.
5: Marshall with a crucial down here, third down and goal from the three, ball placed middle of the field. Columbia, the quarterback, standing on his eight-yard line with Ethan Payne to his right. Takes the shotgun snap, wants the pass, backing up, drifting left, runs across the 10, throws back over the middle, touchdown, Marshall. Columbia brought extra time, shifting and backing up to his left, turned his shoulders, and found tight end Devin Miller back as he cut across the middle 516 left in the game Marshall now leads Notre Dame 18 to 15 lifts his leg there's the snap he drops back has time looks to the far side throws ball picked off this will be a pick six for Marshall 10-5 touchdown thundering her. Marshall now leads Notre Dame 25 to 15 with 435 left in the game
4: Marshall 26, Notre Dame 21. For the first time since 2011, the Fighting Irish are an 0 2 football team. Welcome to the latest installment of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT. It is nine minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, September the 12th of 2000 and 22 plenty to get to on the program as we try to work our way through what happened on Saturday and what lies ahead for this fighting Irish football team in particular with the news that starting quarterback Tyler Buckner is more than likely lost for the season with a shoulder injury which means Drew Pine is the new QB one and Steve Angeli the freshman is now one snap away from being the starting quarterback of this Fighting Irish football team. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. As we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. We're also live on the Twitch app this afternoon. A quick look ahead. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. From 7 until 7.30 is Caveman Corner, and tonight our host, Dean Huppert, will be talking to Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder, the caveman off to a 4-0 start, and also a pair of kickers from the soccer team who also play football, Lucas Larson and Chase Hardy. That's coming up on Caveman Corner from 7 until 7.30, And we have Westwood One's coverage of Monday Night Football coming up tonight as well. It is Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos taking on the Seattle Seahawks, a revenge game for Wilson, who was traded by Seattle to Denver during the offseason. That'll wrap up what has been a crazy week one of the National Football League season, and we are just getting started with pro football. On our program tonight at 5.30, Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, joins the program to talk about what he thought of Saturday's Notre Dame loss to Marshall. We've got our My Five question of the day. I'll try to give out five game balls from Saturday's ball game. We'll talk about Drew Pine, what he could bring to this fighting Irish offense. We have our Twitter question of the day and some sports wagering talk all coming up. Over the next couple of hours, Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at wsbtradio.com on the WSBT Radio app.
1: The first pitch and uh, the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup in his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
4: Well, the Irish are 0-2. Let's hope this does not turn into what we witnessed in 2016, where the Irish had a very difficult season, a four-win campaign that started 1-1 and 1-3. Let's hope we don't go that direction. Let's start with the major news of the day. Tyler Buckner injured in the fourth quarter of Saturday's loss to Marshall. Head coach Marcus Freeman said today that Buckner suffered a significant sprain in his AC joint in the left shoulder. That will require surgery, and that will mean Buckner is out for four months, which more than likely means for the season. And the next time we see Tyler Buckner will be spring ball 2023. So that means the backup becomes the starter, junior Drew Pine will get his opportunity to lead whatever this Irish offense is. And freshman Steve Angeli becomes number two. Pine will take over the 117th best scoring offense in Division I college football. Pine will get the start against the Cal Golden Bears. The boys from Berkeley come to South Bend for a kickoff Saturday at 2.30 here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT we'll talk more about Buckner Pine as the program progresses right now let's focus on Marshall well I've been doing this for 23 years that kind of sounds like an opening statement by Brian Kelly I apologize he always told us how many years he'd been a head coach I've been doing this for 23 years, breaking down Notre Dame football games, and my goal each and every Monday following a game is to try to be as level-headed as possible, because I kind of want to be the voice of reason. All of my answers aren't going to be right, aren't going to be correct, some are going to be way up, some are right on the money. I don't get paid to be a football coach but I try not to overreact like a lot of fans do, which, hey, I overreact with my teams too. I get it. I just try to take a deep breath, and I attempt to be level-headed on days like today. Here's where I am today. I don't know what to say. I honestly don't know where to start. 23 years sitting in this chair is it going to help me today This is just a rare occasion where I don't know where to start This is baffling The football team is struggling right now to put a couple of really good plays together The offensive Game plan is in question. The defense gets punched right in the mouth for a second consecutive fourth quarter, a long 90-yard touchdown drive. And I just kind of feel like the message today from the CEO of the program was bouncing all over the place. So I don't know. I wish you were sitting here with me. We could have like a little... Barbershop conversation, have 20 guys sitting around taking turns, sitting in the chair to get your hair cut, solving the world's problems. I could use that today. I want to congratulate Marshall. They played a really good football game. They were opportunistic. They had 20-plus Power Five conference transfers, and they didn't look out of place at Notre Dame Stadium. They played well. Head coach worked under Nick Saban. Had the guys pretty level-headed there at Marshall. They played well. Credit to them. They outplayed the opposition. Heck, in the first half, they used their RPI offensive system, and I'm sitting there thinking that should be what Notre Dame is trying to do, quick passes, get the ball out of Columbia's hand quickly. But yet, we're throwing balls deep down the field into traffic. I watched the Alabama-Texas start, first quarter. Those quarterbacks were getting some nice throws to get going in the game. The Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young, won the Heisman last year. And what are they doing early on? Just some quick passes into the flat to get him into a rhythm. Third and three, they bring their wide receiver in motion behind Young. Takes the shotgun snap and throws it immediately in the left flat, and they get like 10 yards for a first down. That's a Heisman winner! Seems to work. We finally saw it later in the game. When you got an offensive line struggling and your wide receivers are having a tough time getting open, why wouldn't you want to get the ball out of Buckner's hand as quick as possible? Finally, we saw some of that. Styles making a catch in the flat and making a play for his football team. Love to see it. That's what I begged for last week after the Ohio State game. Defensively, I still think this unit has the capability of being really, really good. Took a step back against Marshall. Is the scheme a little too complicated? Are they playing too many players? I think that's discussions they're going to have this week as they reevaluate everything. A lot of good football players on the defensive side of the football. They showed up well against Ohio State. Maybe there's a lot of pressure on them right now knowing the offense is number 117 in the country in scoring. I know they don't feel the pressure, but at a point, you're sitting, you're watching your, watching your offense not be able to put points on the board. It feels like it's you against the world. You got to stop the opposition from scoring to have a chance. I still like the group. I think they have a very smart defensive coordinator. I talked to a lot of people on the beat. They all agree this assistant coaching staff probably is better than what Brian Kelly had. One thing about Brian Kelly, he was a fixer during games. He could fix things. That's what experienced coaches do. So the Irish fall to Marshall. They're now 0 2. Marcus Freeman now 0 3 as head coach of the Fighting Irish. That's never happened in the history of Notre Dame. A coach starting 0 3. His thoughts after losing at home to Marshall by five.
2: It's disappointing you know, that we didn't execute. I mean, it comes down to execution. We did not execute the way we obviously needed to to win this game. And so we have a lot of, we have to look at ourselves as individuals. I just told the team that we all have to look at ourselves starting with the head coach on down and say, okay, what do I have to do? Um, What do we have to do to fix the issues that we're having and and not just focus on the end result. We have to look at the lack of executions in, in all phases of our team and uh, where we can improve that. So again, it's, it, it's disappointing. Um, We've got to take a hard look at ourselves and, you know, get back to work and find ways to, to improve as a football team.
4: Well, they got back to work yesterday as the Irish were practicing on Sunday off day today, start prepping for California tomorrow. So we've heard a lot of execution, 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 execution from the head coach. Did he see poor execution coming after a week of practice?
2: No, I thought it was a good week of preparation. Um, You know, and that's something we have to go back and evaluate and say, okay, we felt it was a good week of preparation, but it didn't, you know, roll over to the game. And so let's go look at our preparation and look and say, okay, where can we enhance the way we prepare to make sure that we're finding a better way to execute, and until I wish there was a part like one thing. If we did this, bam, it would, it would happen in the game. But it's it's a really an evaluation of everything we're doing, right? Schematically, personnel-wise, everything to look and say, okay, how can we improve the next time we're on the field?
4: Hey, listen, a coach has to stay on an even keel in press conferences. You don't want to throw anyone under the bus. That's the worst thing you can do, and Marcus has done a a pretty good job of staying pretty balanced in his comments. But you go back to the double safety blitz last week against Ohio State that resulted in a touchdown. Love the play call by the coaching staff. It was execution by the players. Now we're hearing it's all about execution of the players once again. I know you can't throw people under the bus. I'm just wondering, are the game plans okay? Are we happy with those? Is is that putting the players in a great position to succeed? I'm not pointing a finger, I'm just asking. Just a simple question. Coach Freeman today talked about you can't just point to one thing, execution is a problem everywhere. Execution.
2: It's, it's all over, it's at every level. Both sides of the ball. And and that's what I, I told the coaches, like, we can't sit in here and watch film on Sundays and continue to say, if he would have done this, if we would have checked that, if he would have. So we got to start taking out that word, if, and say, here's why, or he did. <laughs> here's why he did that, or he did do exactly what I told him to do. And that's that's a challenge to our coaches that, you know, we can't just keep coming in here on sunday saying if if johnny would have done this we would have been a better situation to execute and so we have to get our guys to execute exactly what we want them to do and that means take a hard look at yourself and say okay if he's not doing exactly what i want him to do there's a miscommunication there's a misunderstanding of what we need him to do and so it all starts with us it starts with us us as teachers evaluating ourselves evaluating the way we're teaching evaluating the expectations and the standards we have and uh and then our players got to be accountable, too. They got to understand, as I told him yesterday, if your coach is telling you exactly what he wants and you're not performing it, then you're letting your team and your coach down. And so if you understand what you're supposed to do, then we got to make sure we're doing everything in our power to do exactly what we're supposed to do.
4: That particular set of comments led to me today thinking, I don't know where to start. Execution problems everywhere on all levels. We're not talking about this or that and maybe tweak this. Those comments were there were problems everywhere at all levels. And when you're reevaluating how you do things during a game week, do you realize what that takes away from individual and team development? Those are things you do in the offseason. Those are things Brian Kelly did after that disastrous 2016 season. He tweaked things to, in his hopes, get things back on track, and he did. That's why I'm a little hesitant today to be like, all right, this is going to get back on track in a hurry. I mean, they should beat Cal. They should, but I I just – that comment there threw me off, and maybe I'm just overreacting Like I said, my goal is to be level-headed, but those comments right there just kind of made me stop and go, whoa, is this going to be more of an uphill battle than I thought after the game on Saturday where I didn't try to overreact to what was a disappointing loss and credit to the Marshall football team. So we'll kind of stop there. Much more to get to on this game. We're going to talk... About this result, what lies ahead with Drew Pine with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated coming up in our next segment as we try to process the fighting Irish football team that started the year in the top five and now are out of the top 25 and sitting at 0 and 2. 526, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree!
5: Yes! 98
1: yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open touchdown motor day! Lorenzo Styles! Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
4: It is 531 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren, joined by my co-host for Game Day Sports Feed on Saturdays, Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. For Blue and Gold Illustrated, you can read all things Fighting Irish right now at blueandgold.com. The stories, the message boards, everything is, well, basically rolling right now at blueandgold.com as we sit right now in an 0-2 hole with this Notre Dame football team following the 26-21 loss to Marshall on Saturday. Well, Tyler, I said this at the start of the show. I'm kind of speechless today because I don't know where to start because there are so many things that have to be fixed with this football team. But I'm going to start on the offensive side of the football. And if Tyler Buckner was healthy this week, and obviously he's not. He's going to need shoulder surgery out for the year. But if Buckner was going to be my guy this week, my first thing to ask you, I think, would have been basically the Irish offense should be centered around Tyler Buckner running the football and throwing the football to Michael Mayer. From there, I'm not sure what the Irish are going to get consistently out of the other players on this offensive team. And now with Drew Pine being the starting quarterback, who doesn't have the speed to run like Tyler Buckner, I'm just wondering, as you start to process what this offense looks like with Drew Pine as the starting quarterback, what do you visualize?
3: Well, you got to hope that you visualize something better than what you saw in April in the blue gold game, because that was a mess. And, you know, it was one of those things that you didn't want to harp on too much because you knew then as you, as it came to light in August that Tyler Buckner was going to be the team's starting quarterback and, you could take a sigh of relief knowing that, you know, Drew Pine, the guy that threw two interceptions in that blue gold game would be the backup. But now that's the guy that you have rolling forward. And, you know, I've actually been a supporter of Drew Pine and I don't think his play in the blue gold game is indicative of the player that he is. I think he was kind of kind of set up to fail in that game in a way, just with how vanilla everything was. And he was playing both sides of a game that you're not supposed to play both sides in. you're supposed to play like, a couple drives, then give it over to, you know, the Steve Angelis of the world, maybe even Ron Palace. But now you've got a guy who has been building three years to come to this moment. You know, he backed up Ian Book, he backed up Jack Cohn. Looked like he was gonna back up Tyler Buckner for an entire year, but now this is his time and I just think he's being thrown into the fire in a way that he kind of was in the blue gold game too, because you've got wide receivers who clearly can't get open. You've got them running route concepts that Tommy Reese probably needs to take a look at and say, hey, how do we make this more out guys? We're not getting our players out in space. And an example, if you go to my Twitter, at TB Orca, I just tweeted in the last 30 or 45 minutes, there was a play where Drew Pine was in at quarterback and Notre Dame was down 11 points. This is pre-Michael Mayer touchdown. They're driving toward that. They're at the 14-yard line. It's first and 10. There's one minute and 14 seconds left. None of the players who ran routes, and there were five of them, including Chris Tyree, Michael Mayer, none of the players ran past the sticks. In fact, none of them ran a route longer than seven yards. I don't know what you're thinking if you're Tommy Reese calling that play in that situation, but, I mean, what what is Drew Pine supposed to do? This was the play where he threw the interception, and luckily there were 12 players on the field for Marshall, and the second INT would be second INT for Pine got wiped off the board, but – I mean, he he was just sitting back there, and he's like, well, I don't know who to, what to do. He just throws it up to Lorenzo Styles, and it gets picked off. So, I think we're going to see a little bit of an ugly situation moving forward with Drew Pine if this is what it's going to be, because, yes, the quarterback is your most important player, but, of course, the 10 guys around you matter a whole lot, too, and the offensive line hasn't performed up to standard, and like I said, these guys who Pine is going to be giving the ball off, whether it's the running backs or these – wideouts and tight ends they haven't performed up to standard either so the short answer to your question is this Notre Dame offense hasn't been good in the first two games and there's not a whole lot of reason to expect that it's going to be good in game three against Cal with a backup quarterback coming in to replace the injured starter.
4: We heard tight end Michael Mayer at the podium after the game on Saturday and he referenced that The offense during fall camp would rip off 15, 20, 25-yard runs. They ran the ball highly efficiently. Now that the lights are on bright and the stats are kept for real, this is a football team that has ran it 30 times for 76 yards against Ohio State, 27 for 130 against Marshall. That's 3.5 yards per carry. Do you kind of feel like that the offense's success in fall camp maybe had something to do with the possible struggles that we may now know that the Irish defense may have stopping the run this year?
3: Absolutely. And I wrote about that post game and you could have Mm -hmm. read about it in blue and gold illustrated the magazine. And that article also went up online. You know, that's just kind of one of those put two and two together type of types of things where, okay, yeah, we look good against this unit, but we don't really know what this unit in reference to the Notre Dame defense is. And against Marshall, you know, that was a data point that shows that maybe the, the front seven especially is going to have some trouble stopping the run this year. And everyone points to what Notre Dame did defensively against Ohio State. I think it was an awesome game plan. You hold those guys to 21 points, you did your job. But we've got to remember that Mion Williams and Travion Henderson – in that game, both averaged over six yards a carry or right about six yards a carry. That's really dang good for two guys. And I think the sacks of CJ Stroud and uh, the QB Neal's actually played into the uh, the end rushing total for Ohio state that you look at and you say, well, that wasn't too bad. No, if you look at Williams and Henderson, those guys ran all over Notre Dame and then Kalan Laybourne, Marshall, Marshall's running back, former five-star who went to Florida state, you know, things go awry there. He ends up at Marshall and he runs, all over Notre Dame and when it mattered most, I think that is the most significant thing. When you're talking about the Notre Dame rushing defenses, they're giving up these plays when they need to hunker down and they're in tight games. And it's either going to go one way or the other at that point. And twice now it's gone the other way for Notre Dame and getting back to the Notre Dame rushing attack. Yeah. These guys have not looked good. The first two games, you thought you were going to have a three headed monster. That's what I was calling it. I mean, I'll call it like I see it now I was wrong or I am wrong to this point to say that those guys were going to be highly successful in running the football this year. And Audrick Esame seems to be running into tacklers at the line of scrimmage. That's not ever going to help. I think Kyron Williams was an awesome tackle breaker. He he pretty much was the Notre Dame offense for stretches of last season, and now you don't have that guy, and that's really hurt. But it's probably time to get Chris Tyree the ball. Marcus Freeman was asked that again today. There, there's no excuse for the only junior in that room to be lagging behind and carries and
2: nine I touches
3: thought audric Estime was go- nine touches is just not enough for chris tyree and i thought audric Estime was going to be a force but you have eight quarters of you know a body of work to show that maybe he needs a little bit of time to get to be that player you know what chris tyree is right now get him the ball it's just another one of those things that people are scratching their head wondering why isn't this happening mm.
4: Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And I think I'm correct on this based on your question today. It doesn't sound like we're going to see a whole lot of change along the Irish offensive line. It's kind of status quo at this point.
3: Marcus Freeman said he likes the five guys that Notre Dame has run out in the first two games. Obviously, Jarrett Patterson coming back against Marshall. He didn't play against Ohio State, but – I tend to think that Jared Patterson is best suited at center and I think he is Notre Dame's best center, but Marcus Freeman has trust in Zeke Carell and I guess Harry Heastan can say the same about Zeke Carell. but at this point, you've got to start thinking what is going to work. You know, you may think that you have the best five guys out there and, and that's what is going to help you perform along the offensive line, but At some point, you have to look at what those five are doing and say, is this enough? And I think shuffling could be warranted at that time. But at the end of the day, I know people don't want to hear this word because they've probably heard it 50 times in the last 48 hours now, but it is a little bit about execution and actually performing and going out there and taking care of business on your assignments. And we've seen instances where all five of these offensive linemen haven't done that. Even Blake Fisher, you know, Watching that game back against Marshall, he got worked a couple times by a Marshall defensive end, and I've got bad news for Blake Fisher, who's got to go up against Clemson here in a couple months. Those guys aren't Marshall defensive ends, so it's just been troubling. There's been instances of individual lapses along the offensive line, and then obviously there's been some collective issues as well. So that said, Marcus Freeman thinks that those are the guys, and he kept on saying, you know, this is something that will happen over time and they'll improve over time. That mm. happened last year. But he also uses the word expedite the process. Yes, you need to do that because you don't want to wait until six or seven games, however long it took last year, for that group to actually play well. And, of course, that kind of coincided with changes in You know, changes and the schedule getting a little easier. You've still got three top 12 teams left on the schedule this year. They're not going to go lightly on that offensive line. Mm.
4: Boy, okay. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm not a play caller. Hey, I pick plays on Madden every once in a while. That's as far as I go. But I watch, I listen, I learn, I talk to people. And I guess... I'm having a a tough time picturing Drew Pine running the same running plays that Tyler Buckner did. Now, I'm not assuming everything is going to be similar, but I got the sense today that Marcus felt like that he could still do some of the things that Tyler did. I mean, he can improvise. He can move around. I mean, he had a nice improv play against Cincinnati last year down in the red zone. They got the Irish close to the goal line and some positive yardage. I mean, Buckner was special running the football. I mean, Pines more of that pocket guy. I just don't know how the running game is going to get better without Tyler Buckner not being in the game for the Irish football team. Do you feel the same way? Am I missing something? Absolutely
3: feel the same way. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Tyler Buckner leads this team in rushing. And he didn't even have that big of a game against Ohio State, if you remember. I think it was 11 carries, 18 yards got somewhere around 60 yards for the season and he leads Notre Dame and carries and that is with the design of opening things up for those other three running backs that I mentioned earlier when Tyler Buckner has that element of all right here it is the quarterback is doing a little zone read here he could easily keep this or he could give it off that confuses the defense that keeps the defense honest I don't think you get that in the same way with Drew Pine because people know what Drew Pine is he's 5'11 and a half with a bump on his head he's Not even 200 pounds, and he's not nearly as fast as Tyler Buckner. So that takes away from the Notre Dame rushing game. And I was a little confused, I'm not going to lie, when Marcus Freeman said that he doesn't see the offense changing that much with Drew Pine in. Because I'll take you back to mid August at the end of the quarterback competition when I asked Tommy Reese how difficult it was to manage a quarterback competition with two completely different styles of players competing for that job. And he said, Yeah, you know, we had one offense when Tyler Buckner was in, and we had another offense when Drew Pine was in. But you have to holistically look at that and say, okay, which offense is performing better? And obviously it was the one with Buckner. He won the job. So I'm just not sure if Marcus Freeman has a total grasp of what this means. I mean, it's only been 36 hours since he learned that – or coming up on 48 hours, I guess, now, since he learned that Tyler Buckner was not going to play another down this year kind of hard to process that because this is the guy you thought was going to carry you through 12 games in a bowl game but now he's not there and from the outside looking in you have to think the offense changes tremendously without Tyler Buckner because that's the reason Tyler Buckner won the job he is an athlete that Drew Pine is not he can do things that Drew Pine can't and now you're sitting here saying well the offense isn't going to change that much I find that hard to believe
4: all right was asking you as we lost connection just about the Notre Dame defense, so surprising to see them give up two 90-plus-yard touchdown drives in each of the first two fourth quarters to Ohio State and Marshall. Give me your take. Is there a quick fix? Is there an easy explanation to why this is happening?
3: Kind of like with the offensive line where I said it comes down to making plays. These guys haven't made the game-winning plays Uh, Look at Jordan Patel. He could have made a tackle at the line of scrimmage on Kalan Laybourne on the 42-yard run that really, uh, when you look at that drive, I mean, there's half the yardage right there on one play. Laybourne gets Marshall inside the 10-yard line, and Marshall scores to go-ahead touchdown a couple plays later. If you stop that play in its tracks, we might be talking about a different outcome. Yeah, it would have been maybe an ugly win for Notre Dame, but it, it would have been... Uh, possible for them to win or or much more possible for them to win that game. If Marshall is stopped on that one particular play. And, but I mean, like you said, back-to-back games in which the opponent is able to string together 90 yard drive to kind of cap things or or take the lead. That's a pretty bad trend if you're Notre Dame. And it, it kind of goes back to what Marcus Freeman has been saying in the last couple of press conferences. It's like, Man, if I had an answer as to why this was happening, it wouldn't happen the next time. But it's kind of snowballing in a bad way for Notre Dame. At the end of the day, you just have to make those plays. I don't think there's anything differently Notre Dame has done on those those drives. I think Notre Dame's been pretty consistent in the base packages that they've had. The nickel has looked really good. But on those two drives against Ohio State and Marshall, things just kind of unravel. And I think there's an element of – Notre Dame getting in its own head and saying, "Oh no, like this this is the point in the game where, you know, this it's either going to go one way or the other and both times they have allowed it to go the wrong direction." So, there's a learning curve involved and right now they're they're learning the hard way. Notre Dame is absolutely learning the hardest way you could.
4: All right, final question for you and this is probably a tough one. It's more speculation than anything, but after the game At least one of the captains was very emotional after losing to Marshall. Jared Patterson, seen slamming his helmet, trying to go in the locker room before singing the alma mater, went back out. He was the first one in the locker room. Not the type of things you want to see from a captain on this football team. He might not have been the only one, but I think he was the most noticeable. Do you have any concerns about this team sticking together when you start to see captains? Who have invested a lot in this program. I get it. It's a frustrating loss, but I think captains have to handle things a whole lot differently than the rest of the team.
3: Yeah, he let the emotions get the best of him, and Marcus Freeman said that post game. You can be emotional, but you can't manifest your emotions in that way with 77,000 people watching in the stadium and then a whole lot more potentially seeing some of that at home. You know, it gets out there on social media, and the narrative is that Notre Dame is kind of losing the locker room and Marcus Freeman has lost the locker room two games into this season, but I'll try to put some of it into perspective. Notre Dame is in a unique position where there's a lot of guys, especially a fifth year senior in Jared Patterson, who's been to the college football playoff twice who look at this and say, man, this is our season. It's over. Notre Dame cannot make it to the college football playoff. They can win 10 more games in a row. And I guarantee you a 10 and two Notre Dame team with a loss to Marshall doesn't get into the college football playoff. So you kind of have this sense that everything that they've built in the last nine months since Marcus Freeman was named the head coach in the national championship that they said that they wanted to win and Isaiah Foskey spurned the NFL draft to come back for this one season to potentially win it all. And poof, it's over right there with the twenty six to twenty one loss to Marshall So I think some of that was spilling out for Jared Patterson. And I know Notre Dame has ten more games in the, the easy thing to say is you can't look at it that way you've got to go out and beat cal the following saturday and string together some wins and beat north carolina on the road and then you're two and two and you got a whole new season but for some of these guys some of the older guys there's only one thing that these guys really were playing for this season and it's a national championship they felt like they could be the ones to restore that to notre dame something that hasn't been here in 34 years and You lost all of that in one game, and of course, losing to Ohio State didn't help. But that's a manageable loss, and an 11 and 1 Notre Dame would have got in with the loss to Ohio State. You couldn't lose the Marshall; they lost the Marshall, and now I think that locker room is reeling in a way that it has not in the last five years, you know, since 2016. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it because you can say, "Oh my gosh, these guys are so experienced, and they're going to know what to do," but. That's not really the case when none of these guys have ever had to go through something like this in their time at Notre Dame.
4: You make a valid point, and in today's college football, in particular, a guy that has been injury-prone throughout his college career that could be a first- or second-round pick, at some point you have to wonder, do you pull the parachute when you have nothing left to play for in college and you have to protect your future? We all know what happened to a pretty good Notre Dame linebacker in a meaningless Fiesta Bowl game. A few years ago, it can change your whole life and your football life. So I hate to think about those things, but you kind of brought it up, and there's a couple of guys on this team, including a junior, that could be a top-10 pick. You wonder down the line, is it worth the risk by playing meaningless football games? And again, I hate saying that, but we see it across the country nowadays that guys are tapping out early to protect themselves.
3: Exactly. Is Michael Mayer going to want to catch a four-yard drag route across the middle and get laid out by a North Carolina defender or a Syracuse linebacker or somebody on UNLV when that is taking precious time off of his potential lengthy NFL career, that has to slip into your mind. You know, why am I catching passes for an 0-2 Notre Dame team when a year from now I'm going to have millions of dollars and I'm going to keep making millions of dollars if I keep my body healthy and, you know, He's putting it on the line for a team right now that, like I said, is not in the college football playoff conversation. They're unranked in the AP poll for the first time since 2017. You have all of these factors making this feel like a completely lost Notre Dame season weighing in on these guys' minds. And they're going to have to make individual decisions and say, is this something that I want to play for? And, And the hope is absolutely they do. They're still putting that gold helmet on. They have 10 more opportunities to go run out there on Saturdays and try to win a football game for the fighting Irish. But like I said, in response to your last question, this is something that none of these guys have ever had to face. in mm-hmm. The entire time that they've been fighting Irish football players, they've been accustomed to winning, and they've been accustomed to being there in the end. And at 0-2, they are in danger of not being there in the end.
4: Well, let's hope we don't have that discussion Weeks down the line, let's let's hope everything works out okay for this football team, and Tyler, give our listeners a little idea what they should expect if they are a subscriber at BlueAndGold.com, and if they are not, maybe one or two stories that might catch their attention, they may want to join the family.
3: Yeah, absolutely, it's only a dollar to sign up for a year of premium access, we still have that deal rolling, so 12 months of message board access, everything behind a paywall, you'll get to read, and one of those stories that's going up behind the paywall in the morning is I'm breaking down every single Drew Pine snap from this past game. So it's only 10 or 11 plays, but I'm going in depth. What happened? What were the wide receivers running? How did the protection hold up? Did Drew Pine make the right decision? Because that's your Notre Dame quarterback going forward. So you're going to want to know what he did last week and what you can expect against Cal. That'll be up in the morning. And then obviously everything else leading into the Cal game and, me and my co-worker Patrick Engel do an awesome job of just covering the ins and outs of Notre Dame football weekly. So blueandgold.com, we cover Notre Dame football like anybody else. And if you're a fighting Irish fan, even in these trying times, it's the best place to be.
4: Sure. All right. I will talk to you, and I will see you at Notre Dame Stadium Saturday morning at 11 a.m. for another game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra.
3: All right. Looking forward to it, Darren.
4: All right, Tyler, Thank you. Much. thanks so much for your time. Job well done writing at blueandgold.com. I've enjoyed your work today.
3: All right, I appreciate that. Thanks, Darren.
4: You bet. In
1: 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
4: And we're back on Budweiser's weekday Sports speed. on your home of Notre Dame and Cal this Saturday at 2:30 Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A reminder coming up at the top of this next hour at seven o'clock. It is the Caveman Corner program, an inside look at Mishawaka High School athletics, including one of our guests tonight, head coach of the undefeated Caveman football team. Keith Kinder, and then we've got Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Denver Broncos. It'll be a crazy scene in Seattle tonight with the Seahawks fans booing the guy who won them a Super Bowl championship in Super Bowl Forty Eight, Russell Wilson. He now plays for the team he beat that particular day in New Jersey, the Denver Broncos. The NFL knows how to schedule games. Denver at Seattle in the opener and already on the Monday Night Countdown show at ESPN. The Seahawks fans known to be the 12s. They are that 12th player with the noise they bring to the table. 12 is greater than 3, which was Russell Wilson's number with Seattle. So even though Seattle, it has now come out. Pete Carroll wanted to trade Russell Wilson four years ago for the number one pick to take Baker Mayfield. See how fans are kind of tuning that out. And they're just going to boo their former starting quarterback. So it should be an interesting game tonight. Denver favored by six. Six and a half points up in Seattle. All right, 10 minutes after 6 o'clock at WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
4: Well, today's my five question of the day is the normal question we have on the Monday following a Notre Dame football game. So who do you give game balls to as a result of Notre Dame's 26-21 home loss to the thundering herd of Marshall? I think three players stood out. I had to get a little creative on the other two, so bear with me, but we'll give it our best shot. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I'm giving game balls to the broadcast team on NBC for Notre Dame football two years ago. The best broadcast team we've had and probably will ever have for Notre Dame football, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy absolutely hit it out of the park. You got fair analysis, you got criticism, you learn stuff, which is what you're supposed to get from broadcast teams. And after Saturday's game, I wanted to extra highlight what a great job Tariko and Dungey did two years ago. And Tariko just in general makes everybody better. He is just one of those guys that is so good at his craft. Four. Number four, we're giving a game ball to the fans. This is not an easy time. The storied history of this program, the ups and the downs that you have gone through, especially the veteran fans in our listening audience. This obviously was an unexpected 0-2 start. The expectation was 1-1. You lose to Ohio State, you come back, you beat Marshall, you beat Cal to get to 2-1, you probably beat Carolina because they play no defense 3-1. Throw that out the boards now. Throw that out of the way. We don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Notre Dame favored by right around 10 and a half against Cal, a game they should win. They're facing a familiar quarterback in Plummer, who used to be at Purdue, now the quarterback at Cal. But fans, hang in there. Not fun right now. Hang with the team. Hang with the head coach that you adored during the offseason. They're going to have to make some changes. Players have to be better. Coaches have to be better. And you know what? The fan base has to be better as well. you got to continue to back these guys. You're not going to make the playoff every year, although when you get to 12-team playoff, you're still alive at this moment. But 14 playoff, nope, two losses is not going to work. Now they're just trying to run the table to get to a New Year's 6 bowl game to avoid playing in that bowl that features a product you've never heard of in a city that's probably not on a map.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, no.
4: All right, let's get to some players. Howard Cross off to a really good start for this Fighting Irish football team. Had the lone sack in the opener against Ohio State. 11 tackles for Howard Cross against Marshall on Saturday. Number two. I begged, I pleaded, and we got some results. After being targeted just two times in the game against Ohio State, Wide receiver Lorenzo Styles targeted 11 times in the pass game. When you add in a rushing attempt, that is at least 12 times Notre Dame attempted to get him the football. The 11 targets resulted in seven catches for 69 yards. And I mentioned last week after the Ohio State game, you can be conservative yet be creative in your play calling and getting Lorenzo Styles a handoff. Get him in space, do some damage. Is a positive play, probably against Ohio State, despite how disciplined they were. Well, sounds went for 22 when he got a handoff against Marshall.
3: Number one.
4: And we'll give the ultimate game ball, to tight end Michael Mayer, the All-American, 12 targets in the ball game, eight catches, 103 yards, and the late touchdown. Those are game balls for the Marshall game. Thundering Herd, 26, and the Fighting Irish, 21. So how is Drew Pine handling being QB1 in the first few hours? What's the difference between Buckner and Pine? You'll hear from head coach Marcus Freeman comments from his Monday press conference coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSVT.
1: Listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
4: An eye opening day at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday as Marshall arrived in South Bend with aspirations of beating the Fighting Irish. They leave town with those dreams becoming reality and a check for over a million bucks. Not a bad day for the folks from Marshall. 20 minutes after 6 o'clock, we continue with Budweiser's weekday sports beat. If you're just joining us and you have not been on social media today or have not heard the news, Notre Dame has lost their starting quarterback, likely for the season. Sophomore Tyler Buckner suffered a high-grade left shoulder sprain in the fourth quarter of Saturday's 26-21 loss to Marshall. The shoulder injury will require surgery, and Buckner is going to be out for four months. You can do the math. That's not going to work out very well for Buckner returning this season. So more than likely, we will see Tyler Buckner again in the spring of 2023. So with Buckner being out, Drew Pine becomes QB1. Freshman Steve Angeli now one snap away from being the guy in charge of this offense. Angeli is now the number two quarterback. Pine and the Irish will take on. A 2-0 California team Saturday at 2-30. Cal has beaten Cal Davis and UNLV in less than impressive fashion. So Cal is 2-0, but they're a team that's not exactly hitting on all cylinders. And, of course, Notre Dame is just looking for a victory and a way to get back on track. Just anything to get that bad taste out of their mouth and get back to winning ways, and maybe they can start stacking some victories. So, Drew Pine is now your guy in charge of this fighting Irish offense. And Coach Freeman today was asked, short amount of time, but how is Drew Pine handling now being QB1?
2: It's what I've seen from the minute that I told him he wasn't going to be QB number one. thats I remember that conversation in my office, and I told him that, you know what, we made a decision. Um but I've never been a part of a program where you haven't used more than one quarterback throughout the course of the season. I didn't know when his time was going to come, and but I knew it was going to come at some point, and uh, here it is. And so he's always prepared like the starter. He's prepared like a pro. That's who Drew Pine is, and, and he went out yesterday, and he's Drew Pine. He doesn't need to be any different than who he's always been. I mean, he's he, No matter if he was QB1 or QB2, he was a leader, came out there with great energy, um, you know, just now got to continue to put the execution elements to the, you know, that persona that he has.
4: Yeah. Execution was a word that coach Freeman has probably mentioned 50 times when you combine his press conferences after the game on Saturday and his press conference today at noon, which was live on WSBT radio. So Buckner out pine in Marcus Freeman today on the differences between the two quarterbacks.
2: The, the major difference is probably the straight line speed. You know, Tyler Buckner is I mean, he's maybe a four or five guy. He can run straight line. Drew's athletic, but he's not straight line as as fast as Tyler. Um, but I think the ability to pull the ball in zone reads, to make a team respect you as a quarterback, being able to run the ball is something that Drew can do. And so the, the, the passing game, I don't see much difference. I don't see much change in that package, but it's okay, what exactly runs are we going to have him do um, in the run game?
4: Okay, so doesn't see much changing with the offense. Um, I, I still think the run game will look a tad bit different, and we'll get our first look at this offense coming up Saturday against California. So now Steve Angeli, the freshman, who we saw in a dramatic role in the blue goal game back in in april Angeli will take the snap five on the clock he rolls to his left he pumps he'll run to the five to the pylon he dives touchdown steve and as time expires a 10-yard touchdown <laughs> run he reached the ball out it hit the pylon then he lost control of it But the official on the near side says touchdown. And the gold team that trailed the entire day pulls out the win, 13-10. to As you can tell, not Tony Roberts on the call of that Steve Angeli touchdown. But that was a pretty cool moment for a blue-goal game that you can never take overly seriously. But a very nice moment for the freshman Angeli winning that game on the touchdown run. As time expired now, just one play away from being the guy in charge of this fighting Irish offense. So a lot on the plate of the kid from New Jersey. Coach Freeman was asked today about reps and he said that Drew Pine would get 60% of the reps with the first team and Steve Angeli would get 40%. There was even some talk about, hey, there could even be a package for Steve Angeli. You know, that's a way to get his feet wet. Try to prepare him for that moment where he may have to go into the football game if something happens to Drew Pine. So it sounds like a lot is on the table. Freeman was asked about his freshman Angeli today.
2: Yeah, I spent some time obviously with him on um, scout team. You know, I've been trying to be pretty involved with, with those guys and especially the scout team offense. And so, again, uh, Steve is a another guy that has those natural leadership traits about him he took ownership of that scout team offense and and that was good to see I mean he's got a strong arm you know but it's a little bit different when you're looking at a card versus you're going to have to you know read the defense and get the signals and put the guys in the right position and so yesterday was the first day obviously he was running with the twos at practice Um, but you know again I got a lot of confidence in in Steve Angeli and, and he's a freshman you know and so he made a lot of progress from the start of spring to the end of spring and even fall camp. And so I'm sure that he'll be um, meeting extra with Coach Reese and, you know, Drew will be pulling him along and helping him along. And, and Tyler Buckner, and that's going to be his role now. You got to become a coach and you got to somehow make our team better, even though you're not going to be playing. And so I see some growth in him.
4: Marcus Freeman on freshman quarterback Steve Angeli. To me, when I picture the Notre Dame offense on Saturday, One thing that pops into my head is that the passing game could look something similar to what they tried to do with Jack Cone last year. Now, Pine is a guy that has more mobility than Jack Cone did. He can scramble around. He's not as fast as Tyler Buckner. He's not as elusive or powerful but we did see him scramble at times when he had a chance to play against Cincinnati and Wisconsin. Again, he's not Tyler Buckner running the football, but he's somewhere in between Cone and Buckner. But I could see this is a guy that will stand in the pocket, deliver the football like a Cone did. I think Tyler Hork had some really interesting comments that, When Pine had the chance to play for most of the blue-goal game, he was kind of set up to fail. There was never a moment where the true offensive line was together. Parts were kind of pieced together. So that was a tough, tough day for Drew Pine. So maybe we eliminate that particular day from our thought process and trying to figure out who he can be and what he might be able to do. We know this from what we saw last year, a kid that does not lack confidence, I think he's got a, a tad bit of gunslinger in him that he's not afraid to make that big throw. Now, taking care of the football is the first thing that Marcus Freeman will tell you, that he wants from his starting quarterback. And, of course, Buckner had the picks against Marshall, including that backbreaking pick six in the fourth quarter to put Marshall up by double digits. But, hey, Pine's not going to be afraid. And he seems to be a player that, His teammates really enjoy being around, so they're going to fully get behind him as they should any quarterback. But I think there's an appreciation of Drew Pine within this football team, and he's not going to be afraid of the moment. Based on what we saw last year, there might even be a little strutting after a touchdown pass against California next week. I'd probably tone it down as an 0-2 football team, but hey, you're a kid, you're having fun, man. Go out there, wing it, and if you feel like strutting, then you strut to your heart's content. Just do it when the iris are your head. That's all I ask. All right, 629 is our time. What about the possibility that the offense could go a little bit more up-tempo with Pine, kind of like they did last year with Cone?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Just, we, we, we want to utilize tempo, um, You know, going at different tempos, and, and not just saying we're going to go 100 miles an hour the entire game, but tempo was something that, that helped us have success the last game. Um, and we'll we'll utilize it, continue as we move forward um, throughout the season.
4: All right, there you go. Marcus Freeman talking about the latest on his quarterback situation, Tyler Buckner likely out for the season with left shoulder surgery, and Drew Pine is your starting quarterback. And Steve Angeli moves up to number two. Halfway through the 6 o'clock hour, K-Men Corner, a look at Mishawak Athletics coming up at the top of the hour on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat.
5: Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back. In trouble, he sacks. At the 15-yard line, J.D. Bertrand got him.
1: On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
5: And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Adamy Lola got there first.
1: Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
5: Oh, intercepted! This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown.
4: 635 at Sports Radio 960. WSBT sports beat continues for another 25 minutes. Then it's a look inside Mishawaka High School Athletics. Dean Huppert hosting Caveman Corner with his special guest, Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder. Again, repeating the big news of the day surrounding Notre Dame football the Irish have likely lost their starting quarterback for the year, Tyler Buckner, with a high grade left shoulder sprain suffered in Saturday's loss to Marshall. That injury will require surgery, and he will miss four months. Drew Pine, now the starting quarterback of the Irish, Steve Angeli, is number two. Also today, it was announced that the Notre Dame-North Carolina game in Chapel Hill is going to be a 3.30 kickoff. So next week, the Irish and the Tar Heels will tee it up at 3.30. Boy, Derek May putting up some huge numbers For North Carolina, their quarterback, their defense has given up a lot of points, so who knows what type of game we're going to see in Chapel Hill when, I guess, Drew Pine takes on the Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill next week and, of course, every Fighting Irish game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
4: Our Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day. Well, on Friday's program, we gave you an opportunity to tell us how you think the Notre Dame Marshall game was going to turn out from. An outcome standpoint plus a Las Vegas outcome standpoint. Here was the question What outright wagering combination will play out for Notre Dame versus Marshall? Your three choices Notre Dame wins the game outright and they also cover the 20 and a half point spread. Choice number two Notre Dame wins the game outright but Marshall covers. They get 20 and a half points to start the game. And choice number three, Marshall wins the game. Third place in the voting was the correct answer. And for the 1.8% that said Marshall was going to win the game, I hope you were able to wager on it and you have a couple extra dollars in your pocket today because that worked out pretty well for you. So Marshall winning Came in third place in our vote at 1.8%. Second place in the voting. Notre Dame wins outright, but Marshall covers the 20 and a half points. That got 32% of the vote. And how about this? We talk about a confident Irish fan base. Winning the vote. On Friday, what outright wagering combination will play out for Notre Dame versus Marshall? Notre Dame wins and also covers the 20 and a half points that got 67% of the vote. Well, I did not pick Marshall to win the game. My final score prediction was Notre Dame 34, Marshall 16. So I had Notre Dame winning and Marshall covering. So, from a wagering standpoint, it was a good day, but for picking the outcome of the game correctly, I could not have been more wrong. And there's, I think, a lot of people standing in line with me on that one. So, again, Marshall wins the game, got 1.8% of the vote, third place in the voting, but that was the correct answer to Friday's Twitter question of the day. And now we move to Monday. I put up this question a few hours ago and it is getting a lot of activity. I'm not surprised. I'm really curious to find out the results of this question tomorrow afternoon. Let the voting play out tonight and tomorrow. But here's the question, pretty simple. If Brian Kelly was Notre Dame's head coach, do they beat Marshall? Choice number one, yes, if Kelly was the coach, he would make a difference. He would have made adjustments, and they would have beat Marshall. Choice number two, no, sir. Even if BK was the head coach, it would not have mattered. Notre Dame would have lost to Marshall. Like I said, there is a lot of voting activity on this question. Personally, I think it's one of the easiest questions we've had. And the voting is a little bit lopsided, I would say, at this time. So, again, you can vote right now. Go to my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat. That's at 960 Sportsbeat to vote on today's question. If Brian Kelly was still Notre Dame's head coach, would they have beaten Marshall? Yes, he would have made a difference or no It would not have mattered. Can't wait to see your vote. Can't wait to bring you the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. All right, 641 at WSBT. We'll come back with some sports wagering conversation on this Monday following a Notre Dame 26-21 loss to Marshall.
0: Don't meet him <laughs> We go with We go with 646
4: on your home of the Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm back with you. Darren Pritchett here on WSBT Radio. Top of the hour, Caveman Corner. look inside Mishawaka Athletics here on WSBT Radio. Then it's Monday Night Football, the Seahawks and the Broncos. This is our sports wagering segment. We go into Sizzler. We ran out of time on Friday's program to get to picks. Had my picks went on the air. Would have went 2-2, but they never got on the air, so we're not going to use those. So I went 11-4-1 last week. For the month of September, 15, 8 and 1. And for the season, 133, 105 and 3. It's the first Monday night football game, so we are throwing baseball to the side. We have spent a lot of time with success talking baseball wagering over the summertime, but we got to talk some football tonight. Now, it doesn't hurt being... A Bronco fan since I was a little kid that I'm a little extra hype for Monday Night Football tonight, hoping that we might have finally a quarterback in Russell Wilson. So all four suggestions are centered around Broncos Seahawks, which will be heard right here on WSBT radio. So I'll say this up front. I normally take emotion out of things, but I might be an individual with not the best judgment tonight. Because I'm excited, and I feel like good things are going to (laughs) happen. And we know in the game of the National Football League, anything is possible. How about the Bears winning by nine over the Niners? Pretty impressive. So, let's give it a shot. Now, this is with the mind. I do believe that the Broncos will take care of business in Seattle tonight. There is going to be a lot of emotion, a lot of booing of Russell Wilson. The 12s are going to be extremely loud, more than normal for this game. I just feel like quarterback play is on the side of Denver. They have a defense that was top 10 last year that could be even better this year. So I think it's going to be difficult for Seattle to move the football. They're going to try to play ball control, run the football, eat up some clock. But I think Denver will cover the minus six at Seattle tonight at minus 110. Now you got Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. You don't want to alter your game plan to help your quarterback have a great game in front of his old fans. Can't do that. It's about winning the game. But I think in the process of winning the game, Wilson goes over the touchdown prop that is set for tonight at one and a half touchdown passes. I think he throws for more than two. So I'm going to take Russell Wilson over one and a half touchdown passes against Seattle. Again, that's at minus 135. All right, selection number three. This one might be. The one that I don't necessarily trust. I would say I trust it the least because we've got a brand new head coach in Denver and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm not sure how he's going to handle the running back position, but Javante Williams in his second year out of North Carolina. And you got Melvin Gordon, Wilson's old teammate at Wisconsin. Is it going to be 1A, 1B? Is Williams going to have an advantage in carries? That's my gut. That's my sense. I'm not sure I like this, but let's give it a shot. Javante Williams over 57.5 rushing yards at minus 115. If they start splitting carries, then that's probably going to be a bad play. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight's We Going to Sizzler, the Monday Night Football Edition. We're going to say that the Broncos lead at halftime is going to be greater than a field goal. I'm going to take the Broncos leading at halftime minus three and a half. They have to be leading by at least four to win this wager. Broncos leading at halftime minus three and a half at minus 115. So the four suggestions for tonight, Broncos minus six at the Seahawks at minus 110. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson over one and a half touchdown passes at minus 135. This is the one is shaky. Broncos running back Javante Williams over 57 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. And the Broncos lead at halftime minus three and a half at minus 115. My underdog pick for tonight, Jerry Judy, Broncos wide receiver, and any time touchdown at plus 110. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend football fans. This Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Pet Refuges ABC Clinic, spaying or neutering your pet is as easy. As ABC. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. That'll do it for Sports Beat for tonight. Stand by. A look inside Mishawaka High School athletics is coming up next with Cayman Corner at 7 o'clock, and then we've got Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks, all in your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT South
0: Bend.